is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Finally, President Trump is doing something, unlike his predecessors. So I commend him. The WTO. All right, that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, Let's listen to Chuck Schumer. Oh, trust me, you're going to want to stay with me tonight. On the floor of the Senate, on this massive spending bill. In fact, this spending bill is so big, it is so huge, that we haven't seen anything like it since 2009. It will increase federal spending by the largest amount since 2009 with Republicans in every elected branch of government. It'll give $900 million for this rail tunnel project connecting New York and New Jersey that was opposed by the president. And Paul Ryan's running around saying the president has approved everything in here. No, he hasn't. And the president needs to veto this. This is what a declining nation looks like when a government drags a country down. You had a handful of men and women in effectively a smoke-filled room who came up with this, presented it to its members and said, uh, no amendments, and you either vote up or down. And by the way, if you don't vote up, we're going to shut down the government. There's supposed to be 12 appropriation bills, ladies and gentlemen. You're supposed to know well in advance what's in them so you can contact your members of Congress so there can be a national discussion. Certainly your representatives are supposed to know what's in this kind of a bill with more than 48 hours notice. It's over 2,200 pages in length. And it also has references to other aspects of other laws. I can assure you that not a single member of Congress has read the bill. So who put it together? Lobbyists, special interests, leftists, and more leftists. So uh, after this is passed, we will exceed a $21 trillion fiscal operating debt. Not a thing is done to entitlement, so those continue to be in excess of $200 trillion in terms of unfunded liabilities. While there'll be an increase for defense spending, there's an increase for all spending. Virtually all spending. So the price of having a, an adequate defense, the price of building up our military after eight years of Obama is to massively increase spending on virtually every domestic program that the Democrats want. And The Republicans keep saying, and their surrogates in the media keep saying, well, you need 60 votes to overcome a filibuster. Well, apparently you only need 49 votes to get what you want, because that's what the Democrats have. There's 49 of them and supposedly 51 Republicans. And the 49 of them seem to get a hell of a lot of what they want in the Senate. The Republicans have never had 60 senators, ladies and gentlemen. 
But let's play along. Let's say we had 60 senators. Do you think Susan Collins would go along? Or John McCain would go along? Or Lindsey Graham would go along? Or 10 others, 12 others of them would go along? So what they're really saying is we need 80 senators. We're never going to get 80 senators, let alone 60 senators. And it is propaganda of the worst kind. This is what they say when they completely sell out. Look, they're going to make some deals with the Democrats, but they're deals and then there's deals. Chuck Schumer is thrilled with this. Here he is on the Senate floor. Cut five. Go. If each of us stood on our hind legs and said, if I only get everything I want, I'm voting no, we'd be totally paralyzed. And that happens far too often in this body. But somehow on this appropriations bill, this omnibus, that didn't happen. There is remarkable spirit of give and take in the room. Overall, we Democrats are very happy with what we've been able to accomplish on a number of very important priorities to the middle class in America. Infrastructure, education, opioid treatment, mental health, child care. Now, now, let's stop. The vast majority of Americans, let's just be honest, the vast majority of Americans don't need the government to spend money on education and uh, mental health and this, that, and the other. The government's already spending enormous sums on this. And what do we have for it? Local, state, federal government, there's a CNS News report out there that the taxes for local and state governments are the highest they've ever been. Go ahead. Nearly a decade, the middle class in this country has suffered from a needless and self-imposed austerity, limiting investment. Now, now, oh, now, that, now, that's fascinating. So for the last 10 years, we've been on an austerity diet under Obama. The greatest deficit spender in world history. According to Schumer, we've been on a deficit diet. Because Schumer's a progressive. There's never enough spending, never enough borrowing, never enough government. That's the way it is. Go ahead. All of the things that create good-paying jobs and improve the working conditions of Americans, improve the lives of Americans. This spending bill, this spending agreement, brings that era of austerity to an unceremonious end. Now stop. So profligate is the Republican Congress. So massive is this spending. That Chuck Schumer just said, this spending agreement brings the era of austerity to an unceremonious end. You understand what I'm saying? He is an enormous cheerleader for this. Now, you don't hear from McConnell. Oh, oh we did it. Bipartisan, man. I, I'll tell you what. We never seen anything like this before. Anyway. Think about what he said. This spending is so massive it makes Obama's spending look like a joke. Obama's spending was austere. This is the real deal. Under the Republicans. And if you hear again and again and again on TV and radio, we only have 51 votes and we got to hold them tight and all the rest of it. 
Even so, it doesn't mean you got to give them everything and the kitchen sink. This is a complete sellout. This is a complete grand slam for Schumer. It is time for Mitch McConnell to step down. He's too long in the tooth. We need fresh voices, fresh thinking, charismatic leaders who have a reason to be elected. It is time to move these old bulls out. Or we'll get more of their B, you know what. And here we are. Promises thrown aside. Let me tell you something. I said this the other day. These guys are going to get creamed in the midterm elections. They're going to get creamed. I mean, they should be passing legislation left and right as if they're never going to be elected again. Because some of them aren't going to be. They should be using every parliamentary trick in the book the way Schumer does when he's in the minority. The president of the United States ought to stand up. He likes to say he's done everything bigger and better than any prior president. Bigger and better than Reagan on the tax cuts. Not true, but let's play along. Okay, Mr. President, veto this as Reagan would. Veto it. Because only you can bring discipline to this process. Only you. Veto it. And then tell them, you come back with a budget that I, President Trump, can live with. You come back with a budget or a spending bill that slashes spending. And yet, we know how we got here in part, the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Many of the never-Trumpers who are tied at the hip with McConnell and Ryan and the other rhinos while pretending to be conservatives in many cases. Ready to pounce at any minute? Well, pounce! Pounce! You're rhinos. Look what they're doing. It's up to the House and the Senate to legislate. It's up to the House to propose. And they did this process. Like a good cabal of little fascists. A handful of the leaders. Behind closed doors. The vast majority of the members of Congress in the House and the Senate. Unwitting, unknowing about what was taking place. They pulled together what they decided to do. And they had all their little special things in there. Like the $900 million put aside for Schumer. And his tunnel. And God knows what McConnell got. I don't trust that. I don't trust him ever. But we, the American people, more plunder, more deceit. Who are the big losers here as Schumer goes on the floor of the Senate and talks about the middle class? The big losers here? I want you parents to look at your children. I want you grandparents to look at your grandchildren. They're going to be facing economic anarchy like we have never seen in this country before. There are examples of this in smaller countries like Venezuela and other so forth. There are examples of this in history, sorry, like the Weimar Republic, when an economy finally has exploded, the bubble has burst, 
It takes down everything with it, everything, including the civil society and some form of police state replaces it. Year after year, these congresses do the same thing. And you'll hear some people say, well, it hasn't happened yet. You know, we keep getting warnings about it. It hasn't happened yet. Well, of course it hasn't happened yet, or I wouldn't be on the radio. But these things do happen. Over time, they happen. And as I keep writing and saying, they won't happen to us necessarily, but they will happen to our children. My beautiful daughter's 30 years old today. My son will soon be 27. I have another wonderful 28, 24. What's it going to be for them in 50, 60 years? Our grandchildren. One of them is five months old. The other is over four years old. Can you imagine? Chuck Schumer won't be around. McConnell won't be around. The damage will have been done. The damage will have been done. These people are politicians, ladies and gentlemen. They're not statesmen. They're politicians. They're not economists. They're politicians. All they know, the job of a politician, is to get elected and elected and elected again. To pass law after law after law again. To spend and spend and spend and to borrow and borrow and borrow. That's what they do. That's all they do. And then they go on TV in hopes of becoming famous so they can get elected again and again and again. They lack substance. Where's the Everett Dirksen of the United States Senate? Where's Daniel Webster? Where are they? Where are any of the great men and women who've served in Congress? There's a handful. A precious handful. The Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus. A few dozen individuals who fight for what the entire Republican Party is supposed to be fighting for. They can't even say they're fiscal conservatives anymore in the United States Senate or House. As I said the other day, I think it was last week, they used to say, I'm not a social conservative, or I'm not a neocon, but I'm a fiscal conservative. No, they can't even say that. This is the biggest spending Congress in modern history. That's why Schumer's gleeful. You ought to see Nancy Pelosi's statement. She is thrilled. She is thrilled. She considers this a big victory, and she's right. And so is Schumer. I'm sick and tired of Paul Ryan going on TV and lying through his teeth. The entire Republican leadership. I am sick of them coming on TV and lying through their teeth. They know damn well what they've done. And not only are they funding every major project to the left, not only are they funding Obamacare and Planned Parenthood and all the rest of it. Even worse, our expectations are so low for these people that they never drive our agenda. When the Democrats are in the majority, they're passing programs, they're raising taxes, they're imposing their ideology. When we're in the majority, 
We do no such thing. We don't advance liberty or constitutionalism or private property rights. Ever. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Many were chasing a stormy Danny, including in conservative talk radio. This stuff was going on behind the scenes. I talked about it last week. And we got to stay ahead of this. It's too late now. The House of Representatives already voted for this. They already passed it overwhelmingly. Now, here's uh, Nancy Pelosi's statement. In part, thanks to the leadership of Democrats, the omnibus proposal contains bold investments in our veterans, the NIH, community health centers, and families fighting opioid addiction. These job-creating, life-saving investments stand in sharp contrast to the Trump budget. Democrats want explicit language restricting border construction to the same see-through fencing that was already authorized under current law. The bill does not allow any increase in deportation officers or detention beds. And it goes on. Now, you won't hear Paul Ryan talk about that or any of the rest of them in the House or the Senate. Instead, they're going to tell you how fantastic this is. You have every reason to be disgusted with every damn one of these people. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, a proud fanatic for the Constitution. Call him now. At 877-381-3811. Well, we have breaking news, and it's breaking because the president himself has announced it on Twitter six minutes ago. And it's an excellent, excellent announcement. I am pleased to announce that effective April 9, Ambassador John Bolton will be my new national security advisor. I'm very thankful for the service of General H.R. McMaster, who's done an outstanding job and will always remain my friend. There will be an official contact handover on April 9th. Now, with Pompeo over at State and Bolton as National Security Advisor, I mean, these are, these are real upgrades. These are real upgrades. And I don't think anybody's been stronger in promoting John Bolton for National Security Advisor than I or for Secretary of State early on. Do you agree, Mr. Producer? Number one, I've known him a long time in the Reagan administration. He served in the Bush administration. And, of course, he was the uh, ambassador to the U.N. The Democrats really despise him. Uh, But he'll be outstanding, absolutely outstanding. So, again, the breaking news is that John Bolton will be the president's new national security advisor. Uh, effective April 9th, and I have a a dear friend, also happens to be a congressman, who uh, is with the uh, Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well, Mark, and it's great to be with you, and obviously outstanding news. I mean, the president couldn't have made a better pick than John Bolton. You and I both know it'll be good for the president, it'll be good for our country, and certainly uh, he, he brings credentials that are just impeccable. So it's a, it's a great day. Glad to hear the breaking news. And you know, Congressman, look at the message this sends to China, to Russia, North Korea, and Iran. 
also to our allies, Israel, sends all the right message across the world, don't you think? Oh, it is the right message. And I think what what happens is, is with the pick of John Bolton, uh, sure, the left will go crazy and they're going to they're going to go and uh, to their normal talking points. But what we have is someone who knows exactly the dynamics in each one of those areas. He'll be able to work with uh, the new secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, in a way that honestly will just uh, return the United States back to its preeminence. Uh, like it was under Ronald Reagan. And so, uh, you know, it's it's just a, an exciting time. And obviously, uh, you know, one of the, the passions I have is is a strong uh, pro-Israel uh, passion. But this is a guy who understands the Iran nuclear deal and what it wasn't and what, and what it, it failed to do. And uh, so it's a great pick and obviously uh, much to be celebrated. I think Mark Meadows, when the president said, look, I've been around here a little over a year. You know, I had to fill my cabinet, had to do the things I needed to do. And now I've got some experience. I've got my sea legs and I want to make some changes, some upgrades, he said. And I think he's definitely made some upgrades, don't you? Oh, he has. And and you're right. I mean, I think what he did was he, he kind of looked back. He says, I've got to put my team together. You know, some will criticize it as this is a revolving door. But as you know, administrations put together their team. A lot of times they'll pick one person. But it's all about having the chemistry and the and really the resumes to back it up. And this is uh, not only one that will have a chemistry and a resume, but it's one that uh, truly, if we're going to reform the deep state, if we're going to really look at the State Department and all the, the leaks that are coming out, uh, the, this this particular pick and the pick of Mike Pompeo will you know put a put a, a plug in the, in the leaks and making sure that indeed we uh, serve our president the way uh, he needs to be served. Now, Congressman Mark Meadows, are you still chairman of the Freedom Caucus? I am still chairman of the Freedom Caucus. We're still trying to fight for liberty each and every day. And, you know, I, I read those Mark Levin books, and uh, you've know, <laughs> you, you got to make sure that we actually uh, put those principles to work on Capitol Hill. Well, you're very, very kind, and I happen to know you're a very decent man, a man of deep faith, and a man of your word. And I'm quite concerned here now, Congressman, that the Republicans in Congress have not only lurched left and have and are promoting the biggest spending bill since 2009 in terms of percentage, probably the biggest spending bill in absolute dollars and clearly in modern American history. And, of course, a lot of Republicans will say that's because of defense spending. We can increase defense spending without massively increasing all the other spending. But we're now reaching a point, Congressman, well, here's what I want to underscore. We're now reaching a point of immorality, that when people run for office and say one thing, that they have no intention of following through and then do another, And we're reaching a point of immorality because my children, your children, my grandchildren, your grandchildren are all going to be so horribly adversely affected by this. What are your thoughts on this? Well, they will be affected, but but you're right. It it becomes a a moral dilemma, Mark. What we've done is we've campaigned one way, and then uh, people come to Washington, D.C. and vote another. I can tell you there's not a single, not one member of Congress that read the entire bill that they voted on today. 
at $1.3 trillion. They, there's just not enough time. I started reading it. I got to about page 700, but I'm, I'm probably further along than my colleagues. But, but the real problem is, is we talk about how we're going to be fiscally, uh, restraint uh you know we put the fiscal restraints and 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 the governors on uh spending and yet you're right this grows the size of government by more than 13 percent the largest increase in domestic spending that we've seen on a normal budget process in modern history and they don't even go through the process anymore you guys basically have to sit out there wait to see what springs forward like Moses bringing the Ten Commandments down, and then they say, okay, uh, now you got to speed read. I hope you have Evelyn Wood speed reading. Then you got to speed read through the thing, and then they demand that you vote for it. They're all over TV telling us why it's so swell. The Democrats are loving this. Schumer and Pelosi said this is terrific. Now, if they say something's terrific, by the way, I know it's not, but this is no way to legislate in a republic. On the Senate side, they can't even throw amendments out there or anything of the sort. And, what, and what's going on here, Congressman, is this is for the current budget. It's for the current year. We're not even talking about the future year. You're exactly right, Mark. And, and here's the interesting thing. Yes, Schumer and Pelosi are excited, but almost every Democrat is excited. The last time I checked, Republicans were in control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. And yet here we are about to spend this kind of money in a process where it was basically four people in a smoke-filled room getting together, deciding what they were going to spend, divvying up their special interests, uh, needs and and yet here we here I see today your children my children our grandchildren together are going to try to pay it but you know what it's spiraling out of control there's no way when the bill comes due that there will be enough money to pay it it's a sad day for for America and really it's a sad day for Congress mm-hmm. and. Um... I would strongly encourage people, you and others, sign a letter to the President of the United States encouraging him to veto it. We did. Yes, we did. And it, and, and hopefully they will. You know, uh, we, we push back real hard, Mark. I mean, listen, I, I can tell you that the president's got instinct on this. He knows that that truly uh, this is not what he campaigned on. And yet you had people like Paul Ryan running over there saying, oh, you can do this. You actually uh, have money to do this and that. Uh, you know, there, there are more special interest earmarks in this bill that will come out in, in the coming days as people start to read it. I mean, we got minor league baseball in there. And now I love baseball and I love minor league baseball, but why should it be in a spending bill uh, that gets tucked away on a special interest? There's probably one of Mitch McConnell's uh, horse farms uh, in there as well that was in the last spending deal we, we mm-hmm. uh, spent. It, it's just ridiculous. I'm very concerned for the country, for future generations, and I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to agree with me, but I think it is things like this, this kind of moral betrayal, uh, that's going to result in us being creamed in the next election. And I'm very worried about that for many reasons, including the effort that will no doubt be undertaken should the Democrats win the House, as I've been saying since day one, to try and remove this president. I think this is really, really boneheaded what just took place here. Well, it is, and I do agree with you. I mean, listen, when the American people go to the uh, the voting booths 
you know, when they have a choice between a Democrat who votes like a Democrat and a Republican who votes like a Democrat, they'll choose a Democrat every time because at least they're being intellectually honest with their vote. And I can tell you that this will have real uh, repercussions in November. Uh, and you're right. Uh, you know, the first order of business, if the Democrats are in control, will be to file articles of impeachment on this president. We, we're holding them off right now. Uh, but but that's, uh, that's not good for our country. It's not good for the economy. It's not good for our kids. And quite frankly, it's, it's not good for the way that we do business on Capitol Hill. And you've been a clarion call and a, a, a clear voice to make sure that, that not only your listeners, but all of America pay attention. And I hope they were paying attention today. Well, you're very kind. Now, Congressman, here's the thing. Um, if, the president, if the president doesn't veto this, then for the rest of time, the Republicans will be viewed as the party. I mean, here's my problem. Is there anybody that stands for fiscal conservatism? Forget about fiscal conservatism. Anybody who stands for fiscal reality anymore. I mean, I know there's a member here and there, or a group of members, and don't you find it odd that you have to create your own group in order to promote basic constitutional and conservative principles when that's supposed to be the basis of the Republican Party? Well, you're right. It's in the Republican platform, Mark, and, and yet we have to form a caucus that says we believe not only in what we have in the Republican platform, but really Republican conservative principles that have served this country and nation well. And yet here we are today having to convince some of our colleagues, listen, a number of us voted against the rule today, which is a procedural kind of thing. Twenty five Republicans voted against the rule, forcing a Democrat to come across and help pass this legislation. We felt like we had to pull out all the stops to try to get it stopped. And uh, ultimately, uh, most of the, the advisors around the president are going to encourage him to sign it. Uh, when he goes with his gut instincts, you get nominations like John Bolt. You know, you get nominations like Mike Pompeo. When he's getting advice from the swamp, uh, it, it makes him go against his gut instincts, and, and it doesn't normally uh, turn out well. If the Congress would present the president with a rational, solid budget, going through a rational, solid process, he would sign it. He would sign Without it. Without a doubt. Without but, a doubt. But instead they do this. And well, uh, You're right. Well, Congressman, look, you're a breath of fresh air. Uh, thank goodness you're there with, with a number of other uh, wonderful men and women in your caucus. And uh, I just want to wish you the best. But man, oh man, I don't drink. But if I were up there, maybe I would start. You and me both, hey, thank you for always being a clear voice and being bold enough to say it, Mark. And, you know, with your listeners, uh, they are the ones that call the office and put pressure on other people. So thank you so much. Uh, we'll continue the fight. We're, we're honored to be in the fight with you. My best to you and your beautiful family. God bless you. Same, same here. God bless you. Take All right. That's Mark Meadows. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. Anyone who votes for this spending bill can never again claim to be a conservative. It's that simple. 
can never again claim to be a conservative. Now, Mr. Producer, uh, I believe we got from Right Scoop, or if you'll pull it off Right Scoop, the vote tally in the House of Representatives. Will you forward that to me so we can go through it next hour? Any Republican who votes for this massive spending bill that gives Schumer $900 million for his boondoggle and funds Planned Parenthood and does not, does not fund a border wall. Not one damn foot, despite what's being said. Not one damn foot. Oh, look at this, a transparency fence. No, I don't even know what a transparency fence is. Well, I'm just telling you, they can never be called a conservative, ever. Are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. We will have uh, as our guest on the Fox News Channel 10 p.m. Sunday... Senator Mike Lee. Perfect timing. And I'm going to talk to Mike about uh, the Constitution, its application of what goes on in Congress and the Senate in particular, what he recommends we do as a country, some personal matters, you know, background and so forth that you may not know about. So it's going to be a spectacular interview. I haven't done it yet, but I just know It'll be a spectacular interview, and we'll have a full hour. One of the smartest men in in, uh, public affairs and public office, and certainly uh, faithful to the Constitution like very few. So I think that'll be a fascinating one hour with uh, Senator Mike Lee. So the big news is that the President of the United States is replacing H.R. McMaster with John Bolton. John Bolton will now come under a withering attack by the media, by the leftists, the usual hyenas out there. But I know I feel enormously safe uh, knowing that John Bolton will be the national security advisor and Pompeo will be the secretary of state. Now you'll hear the left and the radical libertarians Call him a neocon, a warmonger, this, that, or the other. He's none of those things. I worked with John Bolton at the Department of Justice in the Reagan administration under Attorney General Ed Meese. He's none of the things that they will say about him. He's temperate, excellent judgment, and he has a great deal of foreign policy experience, as you know, as the uh, former ambassador of the United States from the United States, and he also worked at AID for a period of time. Uh, So uh, 
This is something that I have been hoping for for some time. I was, you know, urging that he be Secretary of State early on rather than Tillerson. Then, as you know, we spent a lot of time talking about him as national security advisor. The president is really muscled up on foreign policy. He's brought people in who are far more inclined to provide him with the kind of advice and information that he needs going forward. Experienced hands who've dealt with the dark side of, uh, of the planet. So I think this will be very good, and I hope Bolton will go in and, and clean out these leakers. I'm certain he will. That'll be a very positive thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I don't think I'm able to open this. Oh, here we go. All right. Let's see what we have here. Well, unfortunately, a whole slew of Republicans voted for this. This massive spending bill. Some of whom I like. But they cannot be called fiscal conservatives ever again. They just cannot be. Um, I will go through the Republicans who voted no. It'll take a little time, but they deserve our credit and our thanks. Mo Brooks of Alabama. My candidate for the Senate from Alabama. Gary Palmer of Alabama. If you don't hear your member's name read, that means they voted for it. I can't read every single one. Paul Gosar of Arizona, very good guy. Andy Biggs of Arizona. David Schweikert of Arizona. Now we move to Arkansas. Only one voted no. There's four Republican members from Arkansas. Bruce Westerman voted no. Now let's look at the California Republicans. Tom McClintock voted no. Jeff Denham voted no. Are you kidding me? Mike Kaufman voted no. Excuse me. Uh, that's it on California, those two. That's it. Uh, that's not right. Dana Rohrbacher voted no. All the rest of the Republicans voted yes. That's three no's out of the entire state of California on the Republican side. In Colorado, Ken Buck voted no. Mike Kaufman voted no. Connecticut has five Democrat representatives. Delaware has a Democrat. Now let's go to Florida. Matt Gates voted no. Ted Yoho voted no. Ron DeSantis, my candidate for governor, voted no. Bill Posey voted no. Daniel Webster voted no. 
Ryan Mast. That a boy, Brian. Voted no. Let's see here. Carlos Corbello voted no. Ayanna Ross Lightning, I'm surprised, voted no. Now we move to Georgia. I have to read the list as we go through, and I want to be accurate. Jody Heiss voted no. Barry Loudermilk voted no. Rick Allen voted no. All the other Republicans voted yes. Hawaii is two Democrats. Idaho. Raul Labrador voted no. Mike Simpson voted yes. Just so you know, Idaho. Illinois. Every Republican voted yes in Illinois. That's why that state's gone to hell. Quite frankly. All right. Going back to the top of the list. Well, that's not true. Darren LaHood. Darren LaHood of the 18th in Illinois voted no. Indiana. Rod Rokita. Excuse me. Todd Rokita voted no. Trey Hollingsworth voted no. Those are the only two Republicans in all of Indiana who voted no. Iowa. Rod Blum voted no. Steve King voted no. Again, if you don't hear me read the name, that's because they voted yes. There are four Republican House members from Kansas. No Democrats. Everyone voted yes. Kentucky. James Comer voted no. Thomas Massey voted no. The others voted yes. Louisiana. Clay Higgins voted no. Mike Johnson voted no. Ralph Abraham voted no. Garrett Graves voted no. I'm doing this, ladies and gentlemen, because these people deserve to be known in their districts nationally as having done the right thing. And there's fewer and fewer and fewer of them who will. In Maine, one Democrat, one Republican, they all voted for spending. Maryland, there's one Republican out of the whole state. Andy Harris, he voted no. Massachusetts does not have any Republican congressman. Michigan, Jack Bergman voted no. Justin Amash voted no. That's it. Minnesota, Jason Lewis, an old radio guy, voted no. Tom Emmer voted no. Mississippi, Trent Kelly voted no. Everyone else voted yes. Missouri, Billy Long voted no. Jason Smith voted no. The others voted yes. Montana, Greg Giaforte voted no. Nebraska, three Republicans all voted yes. Nevada, one Republican, he voted yes. New Hampshire, two Democrats. New Jersey, five Republicans, they all voted yes. New Mexico, Steve Pierce voted no. New York, Lee Zeldin voted no. 
And Pete King voted yes because he has a big earmark in there. And he's a joke anyway. He's a joke. The only other Republican in New York to vote no was Tom Reed. Zeldin and Reed. That's it. North Carolina. George Holding. No. Mark Walker. No. Hold on. I'm moving up to the top of the list. Is this boring everybody, Mr. Producer? I think people need to be heard. Mark Meadows voted no. Ted Budd voted no. All the other Republicans in North Carolina. Excuse me. David Ruser voted no. All the other Republicans voted yes. North Dakota, no vote. Must have been in the men's room. Ohio. Jim Jordan, no. Robert Latta, no. Warren Davidson, no. James Renaki, no. Oklahoma, Jim Bridenstine, no vote. They could be sick, who knows. Mark Wayne Mullen, no. Steve Russell, no. That's it. Oregon. The one Republican, Greg Walden, voted yes. Pennsylvania. Mike Kelly voted no. Scott Perry, no. Keith Rothfuss, no. Lloyd Schmucker, no. And that's it. Rhode Island, two Democrats. South Carolina, Mark Sanford, no. Jeff Duncan, no. Ralph Norman, no. Tom Rice, no. South Dakota, Christy Nome, no. Tennessee, we're getting there. John Duncan, no. Scott DeJarlius, no. Diane Black, no. Marsha Blackburn, who wants to run for the Senate, no. Texas, Louis Gohmert, no. Ted Poe, no. John Ratcliffe, no. Joe Barton, no. Uh, There's a lot of yeses out of Texas here. Randy Weber, no. Looking, 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 looking. Roger Williams, no. Blake Farenthold, no. Brian Babin, no. But every other Republican, and there's a lot of them in the state of Texas, voted yes. You folks from Texas ought to take a very, very close look at this. Let's see here. That's Texas. We're almost done. Utah. All Republicans all voted no. Bishop, Stewart, Curtis, Love. Vermont, you know, Vermont. As Moscow goes, so does Vermont. Virginia. Thomas Garrett, no. Dave Bratt, no. Morgan Griffith, no. All the other Republicans, yes. Washington State. Dan Newhouse, no. All the rest, yes. West Virginia, Alex Mooney, no. The other two Republicans, yes. Wisconsin, Paul Ryan, yes. James Sensenbrenner, no. Glenn Grothman, no. Wyoming, Lynn Cheney voted yes. That's it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
one of my favorite members of Congress. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Mark. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. You know what? I was doing fine till I started looking at this spending bill. Oh yeah. And then I almost threw up on my sneakers. I'll be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. Now, before I get to that, yeah, John Bolton, National Security Advisor. That's that's a big deal. That's pretty good, don't you think? I think it's very good. I think I, I like Mike Pompeo going to Secretary of State. I like Don Bolton coming in as National Security. I think it's I think it's all good. I'm with you. Yeah. All right, let's get down to brass tacks here. So. You get a 2,200-plus page spending bill. You had no participation in it. The vast majority of the representatives of the people didn't. It's, it's laid out in front of you, and they say, vote it up or down, no amendments, and uh, it's a great bill. First of all, the yeah. process and then the substance. I'd like your thoughts. Well, both were terrible. The process, you know, we get a bill 15 hours later, you're supposed to vote on a 2,200. 132-page piece of legislation that spends $1.3 trillion will lead to a $1 trillion deficit. Uh, that's not how you're supposed to do business. And on the policy, it's just as bad. I mean, it's fun. in simple terms, it funds the things we said we wouldn't and doesn't fund the things we said we would and, and helps further bankrupt the country. So just, there's this, and I said this earlier today. This is the worst bill in my 10 years in Congress, uh, worst piece of legislation I've ever seen come to the floor worst pieces of Republican leadership's ever allowed to come to the floor. I, I don't... What is it? I mean, are they scared of a government shutdown? I mean, the Democrats are scared of nothing. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm a, I, no one wants a shutdown, but I'm a lot more afraid of a debt crisis than I am a shutdown. And I'm a lot more afraid of not doing what we told the American people we were going to do and letting our country have this kind of legislation passed, which is going to further bankrupt us. That scares me a lot more. And we were so poised to win a few weeks back Remember when Schumer shut down the government because he thought amnesty was more important yeah. than funding our troops? And then the American people said, we think that's pretty stupid, Chuck. And three days later, he opened up the government. We were so poised to win if we had the political will and the courage to engage in the debate, to take the case to the American people and say, we're willing to fund our troops, but we're not going to grow government. We're not going to spend money on Planned Parenthood. We're not going to spend money on sanctuary cities. We're not going to spend money on this stupid NICS program, which is going to allow allow your – Second Amendment liberties to be taken away from you without due process. We're not going to spend money on that because we didn't campaign on that. If we'd had the courage to do that, we could have won this debate. Well, here's the thing, Jim Jordan, what, what concerns me. You say we could have won this debate. Unless the leaders of the party are willing to take on, and it's not even the left, to take on these big spenders, including within their own party, but I've come to the conclusion they are the big spenders in the party. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. the biggest spending bill in American history, even as a percentage increase, it's the biggest increase in modern American history. 15% increase, you're exactly right, because the swamp just likes to let the band play on, keep spending money, keep bankrupting the country. That's much more convenient, that's much more easy to do than to actually engage in the debate and fight for the things the American people elected Republicans to fight for. They just took the easy route, and the easy route is typically in life the wrong route. It's much – the difficult path is usually the right path, and we were afraid to do it, um, and we get stuck with legislation like this. You know, I think uh, the Republicans are going to pay a dear price for this. I really do think uh, – at least I'm starting to get the sense. I saw the results yeah. in Virginia and so forth that we're going to get creamed. I hope – I mean, I don't know. It's a funny way. The Republican leadership uh, – I mean, massive spending, uh, nothing really on the wall – a funding uh, Chuck Schumer's number one, uh, you know, special project, stuff like that. The, you know, conservatives are not stupid, as you well know. 
Yeah, money for the tunnel, no money for the wall. That just is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm like you, if you back up, 2017 was a good year for the president. It really was. I mean, regulations were reduced, taxes were cut, the economy is growing, uh, the embassy is going to Jerusalem, ISIS is backpedaling, Gorsuch is on the court. So pretty darn good first year. But this year, with this, the, the only big thing that's happened this year is that piece of legislation that passed the House today. That is bad. So we, we've got to get back on track, get fighting for the things we said we would do, because you're right. If this is what 2018 is about, it's going to hurt us come, come the fall in election time. And the scary thing to me is if we don't maintain control of the House, there will be impeachment proceedings against our yep. president. And that, 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 that we will spend our all the whole political world will be dominated by those impeachment proceedings if Nancy Pelosi is the next Speaker of the House. And that's what we got to avoid. Well, how does this budget treat Obamacare? It allows it to continue. It continues to get dollars. Yeah, it does. continues to fund it, right? Yeah, sure. That yeah. Planned Parenthood could still get grant dollars. Can still get your tax money. Uh, sanctuary cities can still get your tax. But how about that? How about you? We, we remember our friends, like this city out in California, who, who said we're not going to be a sanctuary city, California. We're not going to do this. This is not right. We're not going to do it. And yet, what is the Congress? The message we send. Oh, we're going to still allow tax dollars to go to cities that are doing the wrong thing, these sanctuary cities. How about sticking with your friends, sticking with those, those people in that town that said, we're not going to do what California wants. We're going to do the right thing. And, we, and today, what do we say? We send exactly the wrong message. So that's another thing that just bugs me about this legislation. Let, let me ask you this. I understand from time to time the Republican Party does conservative things. But the fact, and I mentioned this to Mark Meadows, the fact that you have to create a Freedom Caucus... which has as its purpose to promote the Constitution, individual liberty, and capitalism, pretty much. Uh, What does that say about the modern Republican Party, that you have to have a caucus that promotes things the Republican Party is supposed to stand for in the first place? Yeah, it shows we've drifted away from what we're supposed to be doing. shows we've drifted away from what Lincoln expected, what the founders expected, the folks that you've written about so well. I mean, it's it's scary to me because— the old, you know the old cliche, we've all heard it, how'd you go bankrupt? Slowly at first and then all of a sudden, and I am very nervous. When you've got a $21 trillion debt, you increase discretionary spending at a record level, 15%. That will lead to a trillion-dollar annual deficit, trillion-dollar deficit this fiscal year alone. When you do all those things and in the process of doing that, you're funding all kinds of stupid policies and restricting Second Amendment liberties, constitutional liberties. That is so far away from what our party is supposed to be about, so far away from what Reagan believed in, Lincoln believed in, so far away from the founders believed in, what you believe in, and what you know is right. That, that's what scares me, and that's why we had to create the Freedom Caucus. We said, look, someone's got to come up there and fight for the countless number of families around this country who feel like Washington has forgotten them. Someone's got to come up here and fight for them and remember them and, and, and stand up for the things that we were elected to stand up for. Jim Jordan, thank goodness you're there. You're a real patriot. We all admire you greatly. Keep at it. God bless well, you, my thanks, friend. Thanks for what you're doing, brother. Keep it up. Take care. All right. You too. Boy, he's, he's one of a kind. We'll be right back. The most passionate conservative on radio. Talk with him now at 877-381-3811. By the way, uh, Republican Congressman Ken Kramer of North Dakota. Kevin Kramer, I apologize. He didn't vote today because his son passed away. And I can't imagine the agony that family's going through, so we want to wish them uh, all the best and Godspeed. 
Now, I want you to think about something. You're Kim Jong-un. You're Xi Jinping. Xi of China, I'm trying to say. You're Vladimir Putin. You're the Islamo-Nazi who runs Iran. And now you have a lineup, hopefully, of Pompeo at state, Nikki Haley at the U.N., Bolton as National Security Advisor, and Mattis as Secretary of Defense. That is a very, very strong foreign policy team. Very strong. This isn't about a team of rivals. I hate that phrase. I hate it. It's not about a team of rivals or anything of that sort. The President of the United States, after 14, 15 months in office, has chosen these people. And he's chosen these people because he may want a diversity of opinion. I think that's important, too. But he believes they'll be loyal. He believes they'll keep his confidence. He believes they'll give him the best advice they can based on their own experience. And then he'll make the decision. He will make the decision. Now, I understand the the Condi Rice crowd, the Bush crowd, wanted somebody else as national security advisor. I understand they got their guy Tillerson not that long ago. I understand all these things. But Trump is his own man. And now, as he pointed out himself, you know, the thing is, the guy tells you what he's thinking, Trump. And he's 14 months, 15 months in, and he's thinking, you know, I want to make some changes. And what's interesting about the national security decision, and I've been watching during the break, you know, all the conspiracy crap and the team arrivals and all the rest of the junk, is he's replacing a general with a civilian. So it could be that Trump feels he's had enough generals around him for a while, and he's clearly going to keep Madison. I believe he should keep Kelly, but that he needs another civilian with different kind of experience, a different kind of background, who can give him a different type of advice. And there's nothing wrong with this. Now, the left will also portray this because they're stupid. Joe Scarborough is a stupid man. Chris Matthews is a stupid man. Rachel Maddow is a stupid woman. That they'll say this shows more chaos. This doesn't show more chaos. This shows a chief executive who believes he needs certain types of people or different people in these positions. It doesn't mean he doesn't like McMaster. The president says he does. It considers him a friend. doesn't mean he doesn't like Tillerson. The president says he does. But he's running a country, not a country club. And he has to make the decisions as commander-in-chief and other roles in the executive branch that he believes are going to help him do the best he can. So I'm very, very positive about what he's doing. I think Pompeo is terrific. I think his deputy, Haspel, that, he, that the president wants to move on to director of the CIA, very good. I'm glad Nikki Haley is where she is. And I think Bolton will do a great job, too. That is a great team. A great team. There's a team of rivals. Team of rivals was Lincoln who put Democrats and Republicans on his cabinet. This has nothing to do with the team of rivals. Nothing. 
These are all Republicans. All right, where am I, Mr. Producer? What am I looking at here? I love a company like Casper that believes in its mattress so much that they're giving you 100 nights. That's over three months to try it in your own home. Now, that's just one reason. Another is how its unique combination of foams provides the right pressure relief and alignment so you feel perfectly balanced and comfortable. They also ship for free, and how did they do that size box? If you don't love it, they'll come pick it up and give you a full refund. When the choice is to test a mattress by sleeping on it for 100 nights in your home or trying one in a store publicly where some guy with glasses, about 412 pounds, sweating from his brow, is looking at you, that's a no-brainer. Take Casper's 100-night sleep challenge, and you're guaranteed to get a great night's sleep every night like I do. On my Casper. Yes. On my Casper. And right now, when you go to Casper.com slash Mark, use code Mark, you'll get $50 on select mattresses. That's code Mark at Casper.com slash Mark to save $50 on select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. I think they made it as confusing as possible. Just go to Casper.com slash Mark and make sure you use the code Mark so you can get the uh, discount and get to where you need to be in the website. It is a wonderful, wonderful product. We have half a dozen Casper mattresses. I'm not kidding. And uh, as well as one, two, three. Now it's three for our dogs. Yes, yeah, they have a dog mattress. And it's Barney, my dog's favorite mattress. Period. It's his favorite bed is what I'm trying to say. I like put them around the house. That's the one he sleeps in. All right. So we have a lot of news breaking today. Now, on this uh, spending bill, it stipulates, as pointed out by Bridget Johnson over at PJ Media, that the funding cannot build a concrete wall. So you're going to hear Republicans and Democrats alike say, well, we can build 30-some miles, 70-some miles. Paul Ryan's out there saying, we got 100 miles. The president asked for 76. 100 miles of what? What is this hostility to a wall? It's incredible to me. That's now the cause celeb, not having a wall. What kind of Congress is this? What kind of people are these? But John Lott immediately took to the Fox News site. The Second Amendment rights of more than 4 million Americans are at risk thanks to Republicans in Congress. This is the stuff that slipped in here. This is a John Cornyn special, I have no doubt. Congressional Republicans are jeopardizing the Second Amendment rights of 4.2 million senior citizens. At the same time, they have voted to funnel tens of millions of dollars to gun control organizations and support other actions that Democrats will love. This is why Schumer and Pelosi are beside themselves. All of this is wrapped up in the giant $1.3 trillion spending bill that the House just approved 256 to 167. Just before Obama left office, his administration finalized new regulations banning, listen to this, banning Social Security recipients from buying a gun if they have trouble managing their finances. Well, that's pretty funny, considering Congress has trouble managing its finances. Seems to me everyone associated with the federal government shouldn't be able to buy a gun, especially liberals. About 10% of all people 65 and older risked being classified as financially incompetent. 
about $4.2 million in all. Using the Congressional Review Act, Republicans and two Democrats passed a bill overturning the regulation. But the bill did more than that. It also prevents any future president from reinstituting the ban without new legislative authorization from Congress. However, and unfortunately, the spending bill passed today in the House allows the ban to be reinstituted because it reauthorizes the 2007 National Instant Criminal Background Check System, or NICS. Let's see. The act allowed government agencies, not just the courts, to determine if someone is mentally incompetent to buy or possess a gun. Government agencies? House Rules Committee Chairman Pete Sessions, Republican Texas, said during testimony late Wednesday that he was disturbed that the bill would undo part of Republicans' good work. But by Thursday morning, the House leadership had decided to go ahead with the measure. Despite the name Fix Nix, the bill is likely to cause more trouble than it's worth. Criminals are often dumb, but they are rarely so stupid as to buy a gun through a legal background check process. The people who get stopped are law-abiding citizens who simply have similar names to the criminals on the NICS list. These so-called false positives are a real problem. From 2006 to 2015, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System denied gun purchases by 826,000 people. All those denials led to only 488 prosecutions in the whole 10-year period. Fewer than 50 a year. Less than half of these ended in convictions. Now, this is an easy problem to fix, says Locke. The government need only hold itself to the same standards it demands of companies performing background checks on their employees. But the problem isn't fixed, and so adding more names to the system will only result in more false positives. And trust me, when you get a false positive, it is enormously difficult to undo it. Another part of the spending bill provides $50 million for the Stop School Violence Act, which will provide schools with training in how to cope with attacks and how to identify violent-prone individuals. Despite the president's push to encourage schools to arm teachers and staff, the bill expressly forbids schools from using any federal money to do just that. Despite the president's push to encourage schools to arm teachers and staff, this bill expressly forbids schools, the federal government forbids schools, thanks to the Republicans, from using any federal money to do just that. You believe that? Sandy Hook promised to design the Stop School Violence Act, tailoring it to the contracts that will be given out. Unfortunately, Sandy Hook promised advocates, excuse me, advocates extreme gun control measures and promotes such measures to teachers and students. And so they get $50 million to promote their gun control agenda. Another part of the spending bill authorizes the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to do research on gun violence. They're supposed to do research, you know, on communicable diseases, cancer, heart disease. Now gun violence. Second Amendment rights of more than 4 million Americans are at risk, thanks to these Republicans. 
Now, despite all the claims by gun control advocates, the CDC was never banned from doing such research. In 1996, Arkansas Republican Representative Jay Dickey placed a provision in the budget stating none of the funds made available in this title may be used in whole or part to advocate or promote gun control. But Democrats are already gutting this provision as as a major victory. And it goes on. This is why massive bills like this are anti-American. They do not allow us to take the time to figure out what Congress is legislating. And the left always wins, the big spenders always win, and the big borrowers always win. And you and I, constitutionalists, we always lose. I want you to remember, Paul Ryan not only voted for this, he pushed it through. He pushed it through. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I need to turn the mic on, I'm told. Dollar Shave Club, but the first thing that pops into your head is an amazing, affordable shave. Now, this will blow your mind. That's because Dollar Shave Club now is everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. Shampoo, body wash, and toothpaste. And, of course, the amazing, affordable, high-quality shave you get from DSC's Executive Razor and their Dr. Carver Shave Butter. You have to experience it. Another must-have experience is how they deliver everything to you. You know, that means no more trips to the store, wandering the aisles, hunting for razor, shampoo, toothpaste, only then having to play at being a cashier, scanning and bagging your own stuff. For a mind-blowing experience, join Dollar Shave Club today. Just five bucks. With free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor, plus trial sizes of shave butter and body cleanser. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. One more time. Check it out. dollarshaveclub.com. Slash Mark. Let's take a call. Let's start it off with a gentleman who used to call this show all the time. E. Frank, Astoria, New York, the great WABC. Go. Yes, uh, Mark. Uh, I want to give kudos out to President Donald J. Trump uh, f- of New York City from Jamaica States because he actually has pressured all the Democrats to uh, short circuit in Congress. You might think, Mark, that he's uh, being nice to everybody. No, he's trying to help the causes of our country. And with the new legislation and every single ban that he's attempted to pass and the U.S. Supreme Court has struck down, he has shown Democrats that they are uh, hopelessly liberal. Uh, You know, you have to admit that the Democrats don't have a viable candidate anywhere in the future for president. You should have known, Mark, that Hillary Rodden Clinton was married to Bill Clinton. Their marriage license didn't allow uh, Hillary to win anything except the popular vote by three votes. So I, I want to give credit to President Trump for making the Democrats uh, crash into each other. And uh, you don't have to worry, Mark. The, the fiscal conservatives that you speak about, Republicans, are doing very well, and they voted the right way. So there's nothing to worry about. But if you think, Mark, there's something to worry about, then, you know, the, the Democrats must have some secret weapon waiting in the future with new ideas that will uh, probably not help this country at all. Let me say this, E. Frank. Your rambling gibberish is the finest rambling gibberish I've ever heard. What do you think of that? Uh, I'm from New York, so I guess I ramble. No, no, it's nothing to do with your geography. 
I think it's your 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 qualities. I think you're you're very good at it. It's a compliment. Uh, well, Mark, uh, I truly appreciate that. But you know, in liberal New York City, you know, you really have yes, to know yes. your, your smarts. Yes, you do, and nobody knows that better than you, my friend. All right. God bless us. All right. Let us continue here. Let's see. We have Steve, Buena Park, California, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark. Uh, that last call. Wow. All I can say. So um, <laughs> he's been a while for 15 a, years. So for, first, let me say I've read seven books on Donald Trump in the last 18 months. And, and I thought I, I, I knew the guy pretty well. Um, well, I thought I did, and, and either either he has some grand plan that we're not aware of to to sign this thing into law. No, you don't really believe that. Look, he's a human being, right? That's what he is. And there's no grand plan. Everybody thinks that you know four layers of chess, whatever that means. These jerks in Congress took the most bloated budget they could possibly pass. They are convincing Trump to sign it, or they want Trump to sign it, uh, because because uh, in the case of Donald Trump, he would sign if they were cutting spending, he would sign it. But you know, he has an obligation now, and he needs to veto this. Go ahead. Well, you you said in the past that he's eager to make a deal, and I I agree with you on that, obviously. But in, in this case, if he doesn't stand on principle and veto this, Reagan did it many 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 times. Um, I, I think likely by this time next year, he will be under impeachment or removed from office. I'm worried about it, too. How do we know the Republicans aren't in their own pathetic way setting him up? A, a lot of people, he's dumb enough to let him do it, and that's his fault. Um, if, 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 if a lot of people in November are going to stay home, and I feel betrayed myself. I'm a Republican, have been my whole life, you know, and uh, I voted uh, for 40 years. And I'll tell you, I, I feel betrayed because the things that he promised, that the reason I voted for him, well, he hasn't signed anything yet, you know. This is McConnell and Ryan right now. McConnell and Ryan. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I'm still getting emails from our affiliate in North Dakota. Kevin Kramer, the congressman there, is running for the Senate. His son died today. He's 35 years old, liver and kidney failure. That is why he didn't vote today, and we wish him and his family Godspeed. It's a horrible thing to lose a a child, a son, 35 years old. Of course, I had no way of knowing, but I'm just pointing that out now that I do know. Ah, Very, very tough. For the family, we wish them the best. What do you make of all this spending? Does it bother you? Now, the president put in place some very significant sanctions against China. Reports say $60 billion worth. China has now responded in the last hour or two, putting heavy tariffs on 128 products. They say that we'll put them in place, 
if they can't work out a resolution with the president. Now, as you know, I don't believe in protectionism, but I do believe in national security. I want to make this abundantly clear because for some people, particularly people who comment on me, who don't know anything about me, simple differences like that become enormously complex for them. I believe in capitalism. I do not believe in arming our enemies to harm us. So across the board, tariffs are stupid. They're stupid. They harm America. They drive up costs. They destroy other American businesses. And they are a tax, the windfall of which is received by the protected industries as well as the federal government. The federal government gets the tax. A tariff is not a tax on the Chinese or the Russians. It is a tax on the American citizen, the middle class, all so-called classes, of which there are none. But that's not the point I wanted to get into. The president has targeted tariffs against China. Now, where I disagree with this is they say this isn't any kind of retribution or so forth and so on. It's because of fairness. If the president were to say, look, I'm targeting tariffs on China. Not only that, I'm putting restrictions on their banks and their financial system because they are stealing our technology, because they're a threat to us. To me, that would be a better way to do it. Now, he did say they're stealing our technology. Okay, they're stealing our technology? Then whack their financial system. We can hurt them. You know, I hear this fellow on radio and TV. His name is Gordon Chang. This man is really sharp. Really sharp. And he's an expert on Southeast Asia, particularly China, South Korea, North Korea, and so forth, Japan, the Philippines, but particularly China. And he says a lot of smart things. Maybe he'll be brought into the administration. He's going to be a great new national security advisor. But we can squeeze China. Now, I know the libs all of a sudden are for free trade and capitalism, say uh, they don't want a, uh, a trade war. Well, I am for free trade and capitalism, and this isn't about a trade war when it comes to China. But it ought to be more laser-directed, therefore more damaging to their military-industrial complex, to their financial system, and less mushy. That's right, I use the word mushy. Now, the stock market went down over 700 points. I suspect it'll go down a little bit more, and then it'll bounce around like it typically does. That's why I diversify, by the way. But I just wanted to point that out. I also want to point out that Germany, which is supposed to be our ally, which is part of NATO, Adam Credo writing at the Washington Free Beacon, Germany is selling Iran chemical weapons technology. You believe that? U.S. officials are increasingly alarmed by a congressional block on President Donald Trump's pick to be the next ambassador to Germany. A holdup that comes as Berlin pursues a host of anti-Israel measures and is growing closer to Iran, according to multiple administration insiders who spoke to the Washington Free Beacon. 
As Democrats in Congress continue to hold the nomination of Richard Grinnell, a veteran Republican diplomat, who was tapped by Trump to serve as the next U.S. ambassador to Germany, the post remains vacant, sparking concerns the U.S. is ceding leverage amid sensitive discussions regarding the future of the landmark Iran nuclear deal. Grinnell's absence on the international stage has only become more noticeable in recent months as the Trump administration pursues a last-minute diplomatic effort to strengthen the Iran deal or scrap it by May. America is is failing to exert its diplomatic muscle in Germany as Grinnell's nomination languages in Congress amid fierce opposition by Democrats. Now, I don't know this guy, Grinnell, but I've read some of his stuff. I've read about him. I've seen him on TV in the past. He's a good man. Now, the Democrats on Obama had no problem putting a guy who voted for Gus Hall, communist, for president of the United States to head to CIA. They had no problem with that at all. President had no problem taking Susan Rice, who went on five Sunday network shows and lied to the American people, and making her national security advisor. President, I'm talking about Obama, of course, Obama had no problem keeping in place uh, Eric Holder, despite the fact he was held in contempt for uh, denying and covering up information related to Fast and Furious. But Donald Trump's trying to get a decent guy with a lot of experience as ambassador of Germany, and the Democrats are blocking him. In the meanwhile, the German government is said to be opposed to efforts by the international community to designate Hezbollah as a terror group, crack down on its road activities across the region. So uh, one of the things we need to be concerned about at all times, Mr. Producer, is Germany out of control. You get my drift? We don't want to see Germany out of control, do we? I guess we're not allowed to have an ambassador. Well, I think we are. Now, the House is probing accusations or making accusations that, remember this guy, James Clapper, National Intelligence Director, that he misled Congress. So who in the Obama administration didn't mislead Congress? Who in the Obama administration didn't leak? If you ask for a hand raise, probably very few of them. The great Bill Gertz, a House Intelligence Committee investigation of Russia election meddling, has concluded concluded that former director of National Intel, James Clapper, misled Congress about disclosing information to CNN. And he now works at CNN. The committee's final report on the investigation was approved today and now awaits an intelligence agency review. The report said also former White House National Security Advisor Michael Flynn pleaded guilty to making a false statement to the FBI regarding conversations with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kisniak, even though the FBI agents did not detect any deception during Flynn's interview. So the findings suggest the FBI improperly charged Flynn. The Obama administration also failed to notify the Trump campaign that members of the campaign were assessed to be counterintelligence concerns, the report said. The committee said opposition to Trump from the U.S. national security establishment prompted the campaign to hire unqualified aides, such as George Papanopoulos and Carter Page. Trump advisors had contacts with the pro-Russian WikiLeaks, but none were involved in the theft or publication of Clinton campaign emails, the report said. None of them violated the Espionage Act. That would be Hillary Clinton. 
And the former director of national intelligence, the report says that James Clapper, again, now a contributor to CNN, is a national security analyst, provided inconsistent testimony to the committee about his contacts with the media, including CNN. Now, he lied before Congress before. A CNN spokeswoman did not return an email seeking comment. Clapper could not be reached for comment. There's that. There's that on the House side. And then on the Senate side, the Senate Judiciary Committee, excuse me, back on the House side, sorry. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Bob Goodlatte told The Hill his panel will subpoena the FBI very soon for documents related to the conduct of former FBI Director James Comey and his former Deputy Andrew McCabe. Goodlatte said McCabe's recent statements made since Attorney General Jeff Sessions fired him raised questions about Comey's prior sworn term testimony to Congress, redenied authorized leaking to the press about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton while FBI director. Leak, 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 lie about leaks, leaks, leaks. You know, when you head an intelligence agency, you're supposed to keep your big mouth shut. When you head the FBI, you're supposed to be keep your big mouth shut. When you're the number two at the FBI, you're supposed to keep your big mouth shut. None of them did. They either leaked or authorized leaks. That's why they're loved by the media. The media protects its leakers. They love Clapper so much at CNN, to whom he apparently leaked, they hired him. He's being paid. Jim Comey's going to become a multimillionaire. A leaker. He didn't even have the guts to leak properly. He leaks through a college law, excuse me, a law professor because he wanted to cover his fingerprints, but then he was before Congress and he didn't want to commit perjury. But he's still a liar. He leaked. And then there's McCabe. Leak. But he lied to the Office of Professional Responsibility and the Inspector General. The heads of the FBI, the head of the National Intelligence Operation in the country. I'll think about that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. We're learning more about this monstrous spending bill. Provides a significant boost, the Hill newspaper, to domestic spending as Schumer, Pelosi, other Democrats in both chambers had leveraged with Republicans who needed their votes on defense. Schumer secured a win in the form of money for the Gateway Project, a multi-billion dollar rail reconstruction effort in the New York metro region. The fight over Gateway pitted two New Yorkers against one another in Schumer and Trump. But it included $900 million. Leaders came to a compromise agreement that would allow the project to get up to $541 million in federal funds through the Amtrak Northeast Corridor account. While the White House can say it cut the federal commitment, Schumer and his state could still get significant financing for their project. Well, of course they will. Start with over a half a billion dollars. Nobody's going to stop it. Let me make a prediction to you, not because I'm in the prediction business, because I believe this. I think Paul Ryan will retire soon, if not after this term, after the next one. This is so reckless, so reckless. I just can't believe 
that anybody claims to be a conservative who worked at a conservative think tank before he was elected to the House of Representatives really believes that this will uh, strengthen his career in the House. In fact, this bill was 2,232 pages, was passed about 17 hours after it was released. That's just, that's appalling. Those can expand the budget deficit massively. Um, so there's all kinds of nonsense in here. Just, it's, it's a disgrace. What else can I tell you? Jeff, Des Moines, Iowa, Sirius Satellite, how are you? Thank you, sir. I want to say first up, I'm a first-time caller. Thank you. Um, it's a pleasure listening to you. Thank you. You've made my mind expand. Let's put it that way. Wow! Wow! I appreciate that. Now I'm a hick boy out of the West Coast area. I won't say it because I don't want any abuse. Uh, but um, I just first off, what I wanted to do is I wanted to dish out some major kudos to the president's choice for national security advisor. I agree. And equal amount of kudos, positive ones, to the Secretary of State. And pay out choice, yep. And third, <clears throat> he needs to seriously consider 86 in this bill before it gets to his desk, or when it gets to his desk. Mm. I'm talking a major veto on it. 2,036 pages. How do they find time to read it? Evelyn now Wood listen to this. Yeah, exactly. It's 2,200 and change pages. 17 hours after Ryan gave it to his members, they voted on it. Exactly. Who the hell can do read that? Yeah, I can't. I can't. Not in one week. <laughs> it's appalling. But, and But here's even worse. Jeff, wouldn't you like to know what's in it in a rational process so you can contact your members of Congress before they vote on it? Absolutely. So you and I are cut out of the entire process. Exactly. It's a disgrace. Well, what are you going to do? What if Trump signs it? He says he's going to sign it. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be enormously disappointed in this. Right. I mean, you might as well just give back all the major, you know, headway that you made in 2017. You might as well just give it all right back to him because that's basically what you're doing. Do you know this is the biggest spending increase for discretionary spending because they don't even address entitlements? In modern history, the Republicans, Sorry, go ahead. this is the biggest percentage increase of dis- domestic spending in modern history. Exactly. That's incredible. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, you should be. So am I. These, these numbers are incredible. Well, Jeff, great call, my friend. Call again. You did great. I appreciate it. Let's go to Glenn. In Arizona. How are you, Glenn? Hey, Mark. Doing good. Hey, the... Fort Huachuca. Sorry, go right ahead. Fort Huachuca, yeah, Arizona. 85 degrees here, buddy. Hey, but... uh, Hey, now I'm jealous. Yeah? Yeah, I know you would be. (laughs) I mean, I should be in Florida, where I have another bunker, but no, I'm in Virginia. Anyway, go right ahead. Okay. This spending bill is just freaking outrageous. Unbelievable, man. Uh, I really pray that 
Trump, if the Senate passes it, Trump will veto it. It's it's not anywhere near his policies. It's terrible for us. Um, we just we, you, you know this bill funds the entire what you what everybody calls the deep state and the swamp. This is their bank account. It's crazy. Their groups, their departments, their agencies, their support network. It not only funds them; it increases the funding to them. Is that not nuts? Well, he if he will veto it. You can say he can use all those points and saying, but we still wanted to fund the military, but we couldn't because y'all thrown all this stuff into it. Mm -hmm. And he could say, so I'm vetoing it. Now you send me a damn bill to my desk that I can sign. I don't expect everything 100 percent, but I don't expect to bankrupt the country at the same time. The American people would rally around Trump. Great calls. I'll be right back. Than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877 381 3811. My ID care, the best protection to your ID out there. Have you filed your income taxes? Now, whether you've slugged through them yet or not, here's an ugly reality tax fraud is expected to be especially bad this year. The personal information of half of U.S. adults was exposed in that despicable Equifax breach. And the cyber crooks are using it. You need a new kind of identity protection, equal to the threat. And I went searching for a company with real muscle and finally found them, My ID Care. My ID Care has protected Fortune 500 companies for years. So when I heard they started offering their stellar protection to individuals and families, I switched my service and jumped at the chance to partner with them for less than 10 bucks a month. My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft. And they provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. You need My ID Care's personal best in class service. Learn more, get 15% off at myidcare.com. Just use promo code MARK. Myidcare.com, promo code MARK, or call 866 334 3084. 866-334-3084. Again, 866-334-3084 or myidcare.com, promo code MARK. All right. I heard Rand Paul just say that there's this unholy alliance between Republicans and Democrats. Republicans want, you know, uncontrolled, endless spending on defense. And Democrats want it on domestic affairs. So if the Republicans get it, get it on defense, they'll agree to it on, domestic, on the domestic side. That's not true. The Republicans want unlimited spending on defense and domestic spending. That's how bad it is. And, of course, defense is a priority, a constitutional priority. Redistribution of wealth isn't even in the Constitution. So there's a lot of issues there that I would take exception with. Chris Matthews, Chris Matthews on MSLSD. Thought this might interest you. Cut 12, go. Well, there you have it, the message that uh, people want everybody to have when Mueller comes out with his report. In other words, don't believe a word of it. The gentleman joins a host of Trump allies who are calling for an investigation into those conducting the rushed investigation. Let's watch. 
I think there's a lot more investigating to do, and it may very well be that you had an informal cabal functioning in secret with a societal goal of hurting President Trump without any evidence. That, that sounds like a massive conspiracy theory. Uh, it may have been a massive conspiracy at play. Now, Comey is like the mob boss of the operation. All this was happening under him. This is, a, 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 this is beyond a, a network of, uh, of corrupt, politicized uh, cronies. This is, this is something close to uh, uh, some sort of uh, organized uh, criminal uh, uh, element within Department of Justice, it's working against the very purpose of the department. Lou, it's a conspiracy. Yes, I'm sure they both agree. Today we got striking new evidence that the disinformation campaign is already working. That's coming up next with the Hardball Roundtable. Oh, there's a Hardball Roundtable. What is that? They invite people from an insane asylum and they stand around in a table? I don't know what they do. But I have to say the, the battle between Jeffrey Tubin and Alan Dershowitz, who is a, you know, I don't always agree with Dershowitz, but he is a very, very bright guy, and Tubin, of course, is a loser. Let's hear this. It's about two and a half minutes, but it's worth it. Cut 11, go. Your position is there should never be a special counsel ever for any case. Almost never. In fact, what I'd like to do is see the Justice Department have a special unit that is separate from the Attorney General's office. Most countries don't need special counsel because they have a director of public prosecution that is apolitical. We have a situation where the Attorney General is both an advisor to the President and the Chief Prosecution Officer. That's the only reason we need special counsel. We're the only democracy in the world Alan, that has I... special counsel, and it's a bad approach. How, how has this come about that in every situation over the past year you have been carrying water for Donald Trump? This is not who you used to be, and you are doing this over now, and over. Now, see there, he, he condescends, and he just delivers personal attacks. This is stupid, because he's not particularly bright, which is why CNN hires him. Go ahead. In, in situations that are just obviously ripe with conflict of interest, and, well, and it, it's, it's just like, what's what, happened what, to you? What conflict of interest? I attack President Trump. Not you. Trump. I'm talking about not your, your uh, conflict no. of interest, these I conflicts of interest. I attack President Trump for his uh, uh, banning of Muslims. I attack President Trump for leaking material about uh, uh, to Russia. I have attacked President Trump for many, many things. I'm not carrying his water. I'm saying exactly the same thing I said for 50 years. And Jeffrey, you ought to know that you were my student. I have never deviated <laughs> from this. I have but, never but, deviated from this point. But, but you know, now, the, the fact that it applies to Trump now, rather than applying to Bill Clinton, is why people like you have turned against me. Don't you understand that principle requires bipartisanship I, I, and nonpartisanship? And that's I who I am that. and have always been but but we have but we have a system in place where you know you don't like grand juries uh, you I, don't like special counsels, but I you know don't. that's the I'm that's a civil the law. libertarian. Civil I, that's right, but, but you know criticize the law. But 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 you, you are criticizing it in the context of you know position position after position that that is in support of exoneration of Donald Trump support. over again. Look, I, mean, come I on, have Alan. no interest in whether Donald Trump is exonerated or not. If the evidence is against him, I will be the first person to call him out on it. I am asking for non-criminalization of political differences, narrow construction of the criminal law, 
civil liberties to apply equally to Democrats and Republicans. What you accuse me of is not being partisan. You want me to have a now different stance. See, Dershowitz is like 10 times smarter than Tubin. He's now twisted and turned the whole thing against Tubin. And correctly so, by the way. Go ahead. Donald Trump than I did in relation to the Clintons and with everybody else. Let me I just said ask. the same thing about Bob Menendez. I said the same thing about everybody who has been prosecuted. I'm saying the same thing about Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel. I think there's criminalization of political differences there. I have been utterly and completely consistent Professor and Dershowitz. nonpartisan. And Jeffrey, you haven't. <laughs> right on, Jeffrey. Jeffrey is a hack. No, no, I mean a legal analyst. Dershowitz has been very good. Now, the mistake conservatives make is they get very excited when Dershowitz says things they agree with. Because they feel when Dershowitz does that, it confirms their own belief system. No. Dershowitz can turn on you on a dime. But in this case, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. And this guy, Mueller, is absolutely wrong. And it's a funny thing. When you watch this guy, Tubin. Tubin was an assistant prosecutor under Lawrence Walsh. Oh, yeah, under Lawrence Walsh. And then he left Lawrence Walsh, the independent counsel, and then he wrote a book about how lousy Lawrence Walsh and the investigation was. And he started to reveal all kinds of information. And the independent counsel tried to block the book. And tried to have things redacted from the book. And claimed that Tubin was acting improperly, if not unethically. And then, of course, at some point, CNN hired the guy. Which tells you all you need to know. Tubin doesn't make independent legal judgments. None of the leftists on CNN do that. Tubin's not so much a legal analyst as he is a legal hitman. Go ahead and Google his name. You'll see what a sleazeball he is beside all the rest. It's quite true. All right. Let's see. Let's take a couple calls here. Um, let's go to Mike Beverly Hills on the Mark Levin app. Go ahead. Hey, Mark. Great show. Thank you. Listen, by way of introduction, I want to say I was a big supporter of Trump. I gave... Uh, a little over $550,000 to help get him elected. He personally promised me he was going to kill the inheritance tax. Total loser. Okay? Now, looks like he's going to sign this bill, this bloated bill, that this idiot in the White House said that he was going to reduce our taxes. Oh, $550,000 towards Trump, and now you call him an idiot in the White House? Yeah, I thought he was going to kill the inheritance tax. Didn't happen. He promised. Oh, okay. You know what? You're a joke. You're a fraud. You're not in Beverly Hills. You're pretending to be wealthy. You're pretending to give Trump all this money. You're pretending that you wanted the inheritance tax eliminated, and then you come on here and call him an idiot. Now I, I smoked you out, didn't I, pal? What are we going to do? Get out the phone, you liar! You want to attack Trump? Do it honestly. Do it honestly. Guys are fraud. I could tell from. I can just tell. Because he's he's trying to do all the, uh, you know, trying to go through all the numbers. Let's see, Beverly Hills. I gave five hundred fifty thousand to his campaign. 
He said he'd get rid of the inheritance tax. He's a troll. That's what he is. God, I love it when I find these guys. Greg, Florham Park, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, good evening, Denali. How are you today? I mean, Good. How are you, Greg? Thank you. Yes. Um, they've done a great job of controlling our vocabulary and how we talk. Aren't we supposed to be doing a budget, not a spending bill? No, no, no. This is a spending bill, this one. No, this is a spending bill. This is actual spending. We haven't done a budget in like 10 years. No, you're exactly right. (laughs) They're halfway through the year, their fiscal year, which does not begin January 1st. For some reason, it begins October 1st. But they're, they're halfway through, pretty much. And now they're getting around to doing a budget. Oh. I mean, we ought to throw all these clowns out. I mean, so... So this is just basically a spending bill? Well, he's not getting—this can't be a good deal for him. I mean, this is a guy that works the art of the deal. He's getting nothing out of it. He says he's going to sign it. Well, do you think he's trolling for all the the wacko Republicans out there? I I think that uh, Ryan and McConnell have told him this is the best we can do. I think that he can't remove them. And in many ways, he feels he's stuck. What he needs to do— and this is why he needs a conservative around him on the economic side, not all these protectionists who can tell him, Mr. President, go ahead and veto it. We're going to be fine. It might actually help your party in the election, but it will also show that you want some discipline in this process. And then he should give a speech. It can be 15 or 20 minutes long with like 10 bulleted items that are crucially important, maybe 15, where he can explain to the American people that he's protecting them. He's protecting their children and grandchildren. He's protecting their their salaries. He's protecting their savings accounts and pensions. That Congress is out of control, that they don't know how to stop spending. They don't know how to stop borrowing. He can lay it out in a way the American people will be, I think, quite persuaded by him. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. I'll be right back. Today is March 22nd, my daughter Lauren's birthday. She's 30 years old today, and I want to wish my beautiful daughter a happy birthday. We couldn't be more proud of her. Just a wonderful, wonderful daughter, wife, and mother. Spectacular. Yes, I remember that 30 years ago. That was spectacular, too. Birth is an amazing thing. We spend more time in this country talking about abortion than we do about life, the birth of a beautiful, beautiful baby. I I just don't know how people can support abortion. I've just, I mean, I know there's a tiny percentage of cases involving the mother's life, but they're so minuscule, it's almost non-existent. But a baby's a baby, a human's a human. I mean, I just don't get it. But happy birthday, sweetheart. How would you like to be part of an effort to, buy, to put a free copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence in the hands of every middle school and high school student in the nation? Students aren't being taught the Constitution, so how can we expect them to understand and embrace what's necessary to protect freedom? Hillsdale College wants to change all that, but they need your help. Hillsdale's taking the unprecedented step 
of sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration to every middle school and high school uh, principal in the United States, along with an offer to provide free copies for every student. Now, Hillstow is doing this because they believe that educating the next generation is vital to preserving liberty and because they love America. Learn how you can help in the historic effort and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's Pocket Constitution to keep or give away by visiting levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, find out how you can help send a pocket constitution to public schools and get your own free copy. Levinforhillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. Ryan, Colorado Springs, the great KVOR. Go. Hey, Mark, uh, you brought this up earlier, uh, you, uh, just for a second, but do you think, uh, with all the, uh, rhino Republicans and the Democrats, uh, uh, anti-Trumpers that they, that they piled onto this spending bill? So if Trump signs that he's going to lose a lot of his base, if he vetoes it, the swamp comes together, overrides the veto, making Trump look weaker. I think, however you measure this, whatever your standard is, the big spenders come off well, the Democrats and the Republicans. They have, they have loaded this thing up. They have just loaded this thing up, and they want you to believe it's all for health and safety in schools and opioids and defense, and it's not. They do nothing about the deficit, nothing about the debt, nothing about entitlements, really minimal on securing the border. And uh, so I think they think if Trump vetoes it, they'll try and override it. If they don't, they don't. And uh, I also think the Democrats are trying to get everything they can. Uh, so in the end, if Trump, Trump should veto it to take – listen, here, let, me, let me put it to you this way. It can only help Trump to veto this, not just with his base but with the American people, to stand up as a statesman, to explain what's going on. It's been going on too much. Related to what ha- happens in your own household, how you have to control yourself, and go and, and just a, a wonderful speech, almost like a short State of the Union speech, on why he's vetoing it, to protect the children and grandchildren of the future, that these people will spend us into bankruptcy, and he can go on. He said, I don't want 100% of the pie, I'll take 80% or 75%, but I can't give the house away. That's what I think needs to be done, Ryan. Thank you for your call, my friend. Josh McAllister, Oklahoma, Sirius Satellite, go. How are you tonight, sir? All right, thank you, buddy. You're in New York. It's pretty cold up there, right? No, I'm in Virginia, but it's cold here too. Oh, let me make you jealous. It's 73 degrees where I'm at, man. Clear and beautiful. And where exactly are you? McAllister, Oklahoma, little town southeast Oklahoma, about 15,000 people. Anyway. My yes. question to you is, um, I, I follow this stuff pretty close. I'm, I'm 34, which, by the way, happy birthday to your, your daughter. I just had a daughter turn five, my youngest. Um, we, you know, as a house, we budget everything. We, we know what we can spend, what we can't spend. At what point in time, where do we hit that threshold to where our creditors say, you know what, enough's enough. You're either going to pay it back or you're done. We're done. We're done. It's not going to be the creditors. What's going to happen is we're going to have hyperinflation or hyperdeflation. So the creditors won't matter. You know who the creditors are? It's us. It's your kids and grandkids. They're the creditors. This is terrible. The president needs to veto this budget. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. 
By the way, check out Levin TV tonight. I hope you're a member of our wonderful, wonderful community. It's terrific. Levin TV tonight, and I'll see you tomorrow on the radio. God bless and be well.